Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. If you had an awesome day, give me a thumbs up. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm so glad. I hope you're having the best time. Uh, this is the most awesome camp ever. It really is. And so I love that you guys are having the best time. Uh, how many of you went down by the lake today? Raise your hands. Awesome. How many went swimming, swimming in the ice cold pool? Yeah? Yeah? How many boys tried to drown the girl they like? Put your hands down. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, I told you, I told you yesterday, I told you yesterday that uh, I grew up, you know, I got saved real young. You know, like I literally, my mom was like, I, the moment I could speak, my mom was like, heaven or hell? And I was like, heaven. She's like, you chose right. So I grew up in the church. My mom was a worship leader. My dad was an elder. We, my, they helped launch this church. So they actually were part of the founding the church. And so I just kind of grew up in the same church. It was kind of a conservative church. And uh, they taught us the Bible. I mean, I memorized scripture right off the bat real quick. As soon as I could talk, they were getting me memorizing verses and badges and prizes in order to be able to do that. Uh, so that was a part of my life. And I really loved it. I really loved being a part of that community. I really loved being a Christian and I really loved the Bible. And so I would read it even as a little one or have it read to me. And I, I remember uh, when I was like seven, my mom was telling me this story and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. So um, I, we had a dairy queen in in our town but it was an outdoor dairy queen uh adults how many of you remember that they used to have dairy queens outside like no walls or anything yep that's right you're old we're old okay so there used to be dairy queens and they're outside right because why do you need ice cream on the inside right the whole reason is to have it on the outside because it's hot anyway you guys are bougie now it's fine uh they got to put you indoors with air conditioning i don't really understand that it's called ice cream but anyway so uh outside and everyone would kind of hang out there was only only one Dairy Queen in the town and we would all go there and hang out and have a fun time. And I remember this story where uh, there was a guy, and again, I'm all wound up. I'm all jazzed up on Jesus. I'm all wound up on scripture. I'm ready to save the world. And my pastor was like, you gotta go preach. You gotta go tell people about Jesus. And I was like, okay. So this guy was outside at Dairy Queen and he was smoking a cigarette and he was smoking it real good. You know, he was taking a big, long puff on that cigarette and I thought, there's my target. So. As like a seven-year-old, I walked up to this guy and I was like, excuse me. And he was like, uh, yeah, you know? And I was like, I just wanted to let you know you're going to hell. Because uh, <laughs> in the Bible, it said that smokers go to hell. And he was like, I don't think it says that. And I was like, it does. And you're going to go to hell. You need to repent from your sin. And he was like, <laughs> looking around like, who's this? Who owns this child? Like, who's doing it? And I felt really good about that, right? I felt like I'm helping this guy see Jesus to let him know that he's going to go to hell because he smokes cigarette. I was passionate about it. And here's the interesting thing. I was taught most of my life as it relates to the Bible, all the way through Bible college, that understanding the Bible was like throwing bombs. You just throw bombs everywhere, like throw grenades. See, you're wrong. We're right. We got the truth. You don't have the truth. And I just got really good at throwing bombs, theological bombs, verse bombs. I had memorized scripture. I could light somebody up with scripture. And I felt really good about myself until the Lord really convicted me. And I started really reading my Bible. And guess what I found out? Love. This is a story about love the love of the Father. And what I started learning is that God wasn't throwing bombs, he was building bridges. 
building bridges to himself, that he is loving, wanting to reconcile all of humanity back to him. That's what he was trying to say all along, and I missed it. I missed it. I remember getting a Bible, my first a new Bible, my first ministry job, which I was a junior high youth pastor. And it was like I read the Bible for the first time all over again, but I read it like a love letter. And I don't know how you've been brought up or maybe the Bible, you don't even know what to do with it. But here's what I want you to know from Genesis to Revelation. Here's what he wants you to know. You're loved. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to build a bridge through his son Jesus back to himself. What sin destroyed, he wants to reconcile back to himself because he loves you. It's a love letter. But so often we miss that in the midst of what our culture says about the Bible and what we perceive or maybe even what we've been taught about the Bible. So the hope is tonight that we learn a little bit. We, little, we grow in a little bit because last night we, we learned was truth, God, uh, truth exists. Why? Because God exists. Truth only exists because God exists. And God is so kind that he recorded through the inspiration of the spirit of God his truths. And so if God spoke it, it's authoritative. It's truthful. It's honest. And we need to take heart to it. We need to lean in and learn what he's trying to teach us, especially in a culture that's telling you your truth is what's most important and you do you, which is just so chaotic. Everybody wants to destroy truth. And meanwhile, God's like, I am truth. And I wrote a book to help you find me, to reconcile you back to me. So I hope you all lean in and learn tonight. Are you ready to go? Give me thumbs up if you are ready to go. Let's do this. First uh, John, or John chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19. Remember yesterday we, we learned about who God is. We started all the way back. Genesis 1, John's like, we got to go back. We got to go all the way back. And he's like this eagle and he's high above. And he goes, in the beginning was the word. Whoa, the logos. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he moved into the neighborhood. Truth moved into the neighborhood. Now we transition here. The eagle's starting to come in. And it says this in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John, John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem uh, and asked him, who are you? They're asking John, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. The prophet Isaiah said that in Isaiah 40, verse 3, 700 years before this very moment, prophesying that there would be a man who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And so John the Baptist is that person. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and he has this really cool story. He's a very, very central 
person in the scriptures, in the New Testament, because he is the one that gives witness. He breaks the silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and he is the one that says he's the Messiah. He points him even in his mother's womb. Even in his womb, he, allow, he recognizes in leading the way to say the Messiah is here. That was his job. Actually, if we go in John 3.30, it, it, it says this, that, that John was standing up before the people, and they, they were looking to, everyone's looking at John and going, like, are you the dude? And John says this, no, 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 no. He must increase. I must decrease. That's John's whole job. John knows the scriptures. These religious people know the scriptures, and they're waiting and anticipating the fulfillment of them. Is the Messiah here? And so they're going to John, are you the dude? And he's like, listen, I have to play my part. They know their Bible. They know their Bible. In fact, the religious, this is super interesting. Uh, the Pharisees is what you'll, Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, you'll hear all different Levites. You'll hear about all these different religious people. But the Pharisees were known as the separated ones. Because what happened during this period of time, the Israelites, where, where God was not speaking through the prophets, the Israelites were in constant captivity. And so this religious sect uh, came up. And what they did is they were like cultural watchdogs. They reestablished a lot of the, the laws in a complex sacrificial system, 613 laws. And they were helping the people kind of stay true to God's word. Like a lot of times, you know, the frustrating thing about the Pharisees is, yes, they, they didn't necessarily get it right. And they're kind of looked on as the bad guys. But actually, they really loved Yahweh. With all their lives, with all, they gave up their entire lives to serve him, to understand the scriptures. For them, the Bible wasn't just like some really cool historical book that their ancestors passed on. No, it was truth. Truth that they were willing to die for. And honestly, they were willing to go after others who would come up against God's truth. They devoted themselves to scripture. They memorized the first five books of the Bible to memory, because they wanted it to be integrated into their lives. It was authoritative in their lives, and they wanted to bring that to the people because what God had said to the people of Israel is, listen, you're to be a light unto the nations for the world to see. Abide in my word. Live in my word. Live it out, and you will be a blessed people. So the religious were trying their best to keep the Israelites holy, set apart from the culture that was trying to crush them. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? That was their heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4, uh, when Satan was tempting him, he says this, he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious would have said, yes, that's 100% True, they would affirm what Jesus said. Yes, every word that comes out of the mouth of God is authoritative and we need to trust it and we need to live into it. Um, I, I go on walks. I go on walks because I'm old. Uh, running just fine. How many of you like to run? I don't understand that. I just don't. I don't understand it. I think every time running's going to be the best until I get out and do it. And I was like, this is the worst idea. I'm this guy like, <laughs> like a quarter mile in, <gasps> right? So tired. I do not enjoy running. So I walk. 
So I go walking early in the morning in the winter time in, uh, in, in Arizona. It's super dark because I get up at like 530. And I'll take my dog, Huxley, who's a wired-haired griffin, coolest dogs in the whole world. I'll take him on a walk. And I realize I have a headlamp so that I can see. And I realize that I really love to have my headlamp way down the path. I love that. As I'm walking down, I like it way ahead of me. But then I was walking and the Lord's like, you know, it would be much better suited at, the, at your feet. Why don't you put it at your feet? And so I thought, oh, okay, cool. So I clicked it down to my feet. I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized like so much of my life has been lived way out there. And what the Lord was trying to do is to direct me right here. Abide with me, live with me. He's presented his word to us. His word is authoritative and true because he wants us to walk daily with him in truth. Psalms 119, 105 says this. I love this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's what it's saying. In your life, you're going to encounter many different things in which you're like, I need help. I need guidance. Throw me a bone, right? And he's saying this. The psalmist is going, I have come to understand that the truth of God's word is like a light in the darkness when you're walking, that you can trust it. It's going to guide you. It's going to lead you. When the culture around you is telling you lies, telling you what you, you are and you aren't, that you have to be popular, that you have to post this or look like this or the word of God is like, no, 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 stay here. Stay here with me. I'm going to tell you who you are. You're a daughter of the most high God. You're a son of the most high God. It's going to affirm this over and over. You are loved. You are seen. You are known to continue to be holy and set apart. To do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed. But have your mind be renewed in what he's calling you to do. This is what the word is God is going to do to you. So, but I think in our culture, there's this misunderstanding about the, what the Bible actually is. In fact, what people tend to think is it's like this old book and it's against women and it's filled with all these ancient rules and myths. It's basically a book of like do nots and do nots and do nots. But that's not what it is. And so I want to help you understand a little bit about what the Bible is. So this is a little Bible history lesson for you. The Bible literally in Latin means, check this out, brilliant, means book. That's what the Bible means in Latin. It means book. Uh, it, it, it's, it's composed of 66 books, historical books, lawful books, poetry, prophecies, biographies, letters, and it's separated into the Old Testament in the New Testament. There are 40 different authors from three different continents over the course, check this out, of 1,500 years. And here's the coolest part about it. They're all saying the same thing from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus. Don't lose that. It's all about Jesus. It's all about humanity being reconciled back to God the Father. That's what he's hoping and desiring. He's showing the beautiful creation in Genesis 1 and 2 and then the brokenness in Genesis 3. The rest of the Bible is like how God is going to make it right. 
how he's restoring humanity back to himself. The Bible doesn't ask, does God, it asks if God exists, but rather how can God be known? And what John just introduced us in John 1 is so epic. The word in the beginning moved into the neighborhood. Psalms 119, 89 through 90 says this, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. You can trust the word of God because the word of God comes from God and truth exists, why? Because God exists and you can trust it. This book has been telling a story to the Jewish culture for all these years that someone is coming, the one who's going to make it right, the one who's going to restore everything. That is why the religious are going to John and going, are you the dude? Because something's happening. Because they know their scriptures, but something's, off, uh, something's also off. And I think something's also off with us. I remember a buddy called me one time, and he's like, uh, really grieving, like really sad. And I'm like, what's going on, man? And he was like, I'm just heartbroken. And he had just gotten out of meeting with a leadership. And he said, hey, man, I think my church loves the Bible more than it loves Jesus. And it broke his heart, and it broke my heart. Because I grew up that way. I grew up throwing bombs, remember? I threw up. Not being known for what I was against and not what I was for. I kind of lost my way. And what we find about the religious, about the Pharisees, is that they wanted the word more than the word become flesh. Jesus is the fulfillment of all they've been waiting for. All they know. He is the fulfillment. Everything that they have founded themselves on as truth is coming to fruition in Jesus, and they're missing. Do you know, check this out. There are 332 Old Testament predictions about the Messiah that, that, that these people are waiting for, these Jews are waiting for because they believe and they know and they trust it and it's authoritative and it's true. It actually is said, this, this one super smart guy said this, that the probability of one man fulfilling eight of these properties, okay, remember, there's 332, was like the number of silver dollars, this is the odds, two feet deep covering the whole state of Texas. So like, not probable. But here Jesus starts, he shows up and he just is fulfilling prophecy after prophecy after prophecy and they're missing him. They miss him all the way because they have their eyes focused on the wrong thing and not on the fulfillment of the truth in which they founded themselves in. And I think this is true for so many people. They get distracted. Do you know Satan is really, really, really good at distracting you? Really good at showing you, no, no, no. This truth over here is what's the most important truth. Don't look at what God says, or we can just start watering down scripture. We can take the passages that we can like, and we can throw away the ones we don't like. There's this passage where Jesus says this, in this world, you will suffer. We're like, nope, don't like that one. But take heart, 
I'll overcome the world. But we want to get rid of the suffering thing. Oh, no, 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 God would never say that. And we want to go like, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. And that's what Satan has been doing for generation after generation. He wants you to take your eyes off of God's truth. God's speaking through his spirit. God's speaking through his word. He wants you to take your eyes off of that. And what happens with these Pharisees is they, they miss Jesus. They miss Jesus. They miss the fulfillment of all they've been waiting for. And we see something with John that's really interesting too. In Luke 7, it says this. Check this out. Luke 7, it's, uh, verse 18, it says this. The disciples of John, because John had disciples, that's why they came to him, uh, uh, reported that all these, thing, all these things to him. And, and, and John, calling two of the disciples to him, and all the things were like Jesus was doing all these miracles. And John, calling to two of his disciples to him, sent them saying, Lord, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So what happens is, John's in prison. John is, again, remember, the one who God has ordained to be the forerunner of Jesus. Here's the one that's supposed to pronounce the Messiah is coming. But now he's in prison. And John's starting to get discouraged. You ever been there? You ever been discouraged? You know that scripture says all these truths. You know that God is loving. You know that maybe you've heard that and you believe it, and, but then circumstances get hard. It's getting rough. This is what's going on with John. John's in prison. He's about to be beheaded, and he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you sure you're the dude? Because I don't want to get my head cut off. I thought this was going to go different. He's struggling with all that he knows, with the prophecies, with the word of God. John knows he's a part of a fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah 43, but he's discouraged because his circumstances are telling him something different and distracting him. So he goes to Jesus and he goes, hey, I'm just checking. Are you really the guy we've been looking for? And the men had come to him and they said, John the Baptist sent us to you and said, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed, and Jesus, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits on whom many were blind, and he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are clean, the deaf hear, and the dead are being raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended to me. This is what he's saying to John, and this is what he's saying to you and me. Your circumstances cannot defy and define who you believe God to be and the way he fulfills things. Here's what Jesus is telling John. John, I'm fulfilling the scriptures right now. As I heal people, fulfilling a prophecy. Prophecy after prophecy, raising people from the dead. Guess what? Prophesied that he would do that over and over. Jesus is fulfilling these 332 prophesy, prophecies to say, see, I told you, I am full of truth. I cannot lie. If I say it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, but you're going to have to trust me outside of what your circumstances index, outside of what your culture tells you, outside, check this out, of even what you feel, even what you feel. Outside of even what you feel, Jesus is like, you have 
to trust me. My word does not return void. It is true. Why? Because truth exists, because I exist. And Jesus is like, I am the fulfillment of all that's in the scriptures. And John dies. He dies. It's not like all of a sudden he got this word from the Lord and everything got better. No. It got hard. But he believed to his death that Jesus was the Messiah. But just like you and me, he questions, he struggles, and Jesus honors John. Listen, it's okay to struggle. It's okay. It's okay to have questions. I guaranteed you in this room, there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of hurts. There are a lot of confusions. There are a lot of worries. Some of you are wondering why your mom and dad are separated or they're fighting. Some of you are wondering why painful situations, why some of your loved ones are sick. Some of you have lots of questions. I want you to know this. Jesus is okay with you asking questions. But don't run away from the truth just because it's hurt, just because it's hard, because he is true and his word is true. And what he is speaking to you through this book is good news. He's not telling you everything's going to be good and, it's, and, and your life is going to be easy. He never promises that, but he does promise that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He does promise in here that there will come a day when he makes all things right and we live in eternal relationship with him. He does say that in here. He does say that he will defeat death. He, will, he does say that there will one day be no tears. He says that in here. But do you believe it? Or is it just a book, a historical piece of literature? Is it something that can change your life, that you can bank your whole life on it, the whole way, your, all the circumstances you're going through, your frustrations, your concerns, go to the word of God that is his truth. Don't just read it, live into it. I told you I, I, I love the Bible and I've been reading it my whole life. 10 years ago, I had a brand new Bible. And it's interesting I just started really working through it deeply. About three months ago, I was, uh, had to get my tire changed. Our family's going on vacation, so I had to get the tires changed. And I was walking to my office, which is about a mile from where they changed the tires. So I'm walking, and I have my bag, like, and I'm kind of a driven guy. Like, I like to get to work. I like to get it done. I like to work hard, right? I really love to work. And so I'm, I'm almost to the door of my office and this homeless guy grabs me and he's like, hey man. And I'm, all, I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I always feel like those things, maybe God, God's putting somebody in my life, I wanna make sure I pay attention. But to be honest, I'm like a little inconvenienced by it. Like, come on, bro, I got stuff to do. I mean, I just got my last day in the office before I go on vacation. And he's like, yo man, can, can, can you hook me up with some cash? I'm like, I don't do cash but I'll, you need something to eat? He's like, I just need smokes. I was like, well, I'm not gonna buy you smokes, but I will take you to get something to eat. He's like, that would be great. So we walked down in this area where my office is in is kind of bougie, right? And it's, it's called the Biltmore area. Doesn't that just sound? It's the Biltmore, okay? And so it's like the Biltmore area of Phoenix, like super fancy, you got Bentleys rolling around, right? And so I go, where do you wanna go? 
dude picks the fanciest breakfast restaurant in all of Camelback, all of Biltmore. And I was like, yes, this is great. So he's got dreads and he's telling me a story. Dude actually knows his Bible. Like he's telling me scriptures. He's like frustrated about the church. Like the church always talks about the, like they're loving, but they don't love people like me. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. I'm hanging out with you. I love Jesus. And he's like, yeah, that's right. So we're having this and he's got dreads and he's all tatted up. And he told me, hey man, I'm a drug addict. I just want to let you know, I'd love to get off drugs, but I, I'm struggling, I'm homeless, and, but I'm an artist. And he had just gotten all the stuff stolen. So we're having this conversation. So we go into this restaurant and I'm not even kidding you, watching people look at him was so disheartening for me. Everybody's eyes were like, get out of this restaurant. You don't matter. You matter on the streets, but not in here. And I was like, I'm bringing my dude in, right? So we sit down next to these ladies drinking their mimosas, being like, oh my goodness, this is so great, okay? And, and they were just, and, this, and the waiter honestly was not serving us. So I just had to be like, yo, you know, we want some food. Dude got pancakes. He just wanted pancakes, straight up flapjacks, all the way to the top. All right, let's do it. Bring him some flapjacks. Let's get some coffee. And when we just start, I just start talking to him about life. Come on, what's, what's your life, man? Tell me about it. So he's telling me his son was murdered. His mom was a prostitute. And he goes, but you know what, man? Like, I've always loved the Lord, but I just don't feel it anymore. And I just, he was just struggling so deeply. And so I had my bag, remember my work bag, and in my work bag was that Bible that, um, that I was talking about. And I, as I was sitting there and he was talking, he told me he got all this stuff stolen. I felt the spirit of God go, you need to give, give him your Bible. And I was like, oh, you mean get it, give him a Bible? Yeah, you're right. I got to give him a Bible. You're right. So I'll walk him to the bookstore after this, and then maybe I'll just drive him there. We'll figure it out. And the Lord's like, no, 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 I want you to give him your Bible. And instantly in the gut of my stomach, I was like, no. Here's what I had, here's what I was wrestling with. For 10 years, my life was in that Bible. My son got diagnosed with cancer. I'd been to India seven times. I'd preached in villages around the world, in, in Africa, in Mexico. I started a nonprofit to help millennials re-engage back into the local church. All those notes, all those sermons I'd preached around the world. All those notes are in there. All the study I had been doing, those moments where I had doubted the Lord, those moments when I was like overwhelmed and discouraged. They all, everything was in there. My whole life was in this Bible and I didn't want to give it to him. And so I pulled it out of my bag and I, as I said, I was about to hand it to him and I was like, hey, I know you want money. And I know you've been through a whole time and I promise you, I'm not one of these Christians that's like gonna slap you upside the head. And I'm just telling you, this book is my life. And I started to cry because I realized for my whole life, I've been reading the Bible and it really, in that moment, it, I was like, it's, my, it's, it's what's helped me get through everything I've been through. 
and I'm now just going to hand it to this guy, and I'm going to believe that the spirit of the living God is going to use it in his life in the same way he's going to use it in my life. He's going to see my notes, my tear marks. He's going to see my complaints to God in the margins of the Bible. Where are you? Where are you, God? Like David who cries out, where are you? And it's in there, it's all in there. And I handed it to him and I said, this is the most precious thing that I have in my possession. And I want you to have it. And he stood up in this restaurant and started weeping. And we started, we're holding each other in this bougie Scottsdale restaurant, just weeping. And then he literally went, I hate crying in public. And he bolted. <laughs> And I'm like walking back to my office and like, what just happened? And I can, did I just tell you, I felt a loss. I felt a loss. I felt like a part of me went with someone else. This is the new Bible. And the Lord's going to allow me to have a whole new thing in here. And maybe he'll ask me to give it away. So listen, here's the thing. In no way, shape, or form am I like, Look at me. Look at a good thing I did. That's not what this is about. This is what I want to tell you. If you submit yourself to the words, God's truth, it will, I promise, change your life. And I've learned that. And it's taken me a really long time. But guess what, y'all? You're really young. And if you get this now, it will change stuff for you. I'm not saying your life will get better. I'm not saying, but I'm saying you will have a solid ground and you'll be able to have truth to navigate the chaos in this word because truth exists. Why? Because God exists and God spoke to us and it's in this word and it's authoritative and you don't want to miss Jesus and so you need to read this book, amen? Let's pray. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all these years that your truth is right in front of me and I missed it. I'm sorry that I took it for granted. You know, just growing up in the church, you know, I just think of like I was no different than the Pharisees, just like got used to it. It had lost the power and the majesty and the mystery. Thank you, Lord, that you're patient with me and you're teaching me. Thank you that, that even though I've been reading this book my whole life, it's just brand new. Its truths are brand new and your spirit is teaching me even now. Even as I was preparing this message, you were teaching me. That it's good, Timothy says, for reproof and correction. It's guiding us to your heart, building a bridge in our souls, in our minds, back to you, back to the, your truth, your love, your care, your holiness, your divinity, your glory, your holiness. I pray over these junior hires, God, that are so distracted. It's so hard right now. It's so distracting right now. Everybody's vying for their attention. Teach them to slow down, to see you, Jesus, to not miss you. 
in the midst of this beautiful book that you've given to us, this authoritative book that you have given to us, that if we submit our lives to, will radically not only just change ours, but those around us. You are high and lifted up, and we give you glory, all the praise and all the honor tonight. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said, Amen. Amen.